Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Mark Boche, founder and CEO at Unido, to the show today. Mark, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Let's kick this off. Tell us a little bit about your background and background in SaaS. Yeah, sure. So I've been in tech for, I guess, since the first dot-com bubble. I guess now we're counting time in recessions. So three recessions ago or, or close. Um, and mostly in the startup world, but um, started in SaaS in the third, I guess, adventure. Um, we're doing digital signage for retail. And we had a, a SaaS content management system for the in-store displays, if you want. That was all web-based. But we also did... Um, like the backstore distribution servers, and then we designed and manufactured the hardware displays too. Um, so it was everything in a box, I guess, like we SaaS, you know, servers, uh, yeah. data centers, and then even like device hardware and manufacturing and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to do any one of those, like mm -hmm. you just SaaS into the whole world there. And that was like yeah. everything, every kind of business in the same one. And then selling it to large telcos over really long sales cycles. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of fun, a lot of learnings definitely in there. Um, but SaaS, I think my, the depth of experience in SaaS has also been on the user side. Mm -hmm. I've been a big user of SaaS since like the beginnings of it and big believer mm -hmm. in the model. I think it changes a lot um, because it removes so much friction from adoption. Like it removes the whole technological component to software adoption. Um, and it leaves just the human side. So I've been huge user of it and been in products throughout my entire journey in product leadership, product management. And uh, the interesting bit about product is you have to, um, you have to work with everyone. You have to work with every department. You have like zero authority over anybody. Um, so you have to use whatever tool stacks and whatever way each of these groups is organized and often jump around from one to the other. So you get to interact with, with all sorts of stacks, all sorts of software and you have to adapt to it. And I guess that's where the um, the initial idea for Unido kind of came from, was this frustration of having to jump around all the time between whatever tool stack as a, as a product person, whether to map roadmaps or to track work I was using compared to whatever all the other teams were using and having to swap around, jump around, copy paste all the time. And mm -hmm. I guess it just gotten worse over time. Yeah, wow, great background. And and that was quite, yeah, the 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 retail signage, digital signage, where it's like, yeah, SaaS, hardware, servers. Yeah, that had to be quite the experience. Never uh, again. Yeah, never, forget, just focus on the SaaS side, right? The software side. I'm uh, sure as a finance guy, you're like, oh my God, inventory. And then yeah. also have to manage, you know, NDR and also like so many different financial models to track at the same time. Yeah, yeah, a lot more revenue streams, a lot more margins to manage. So, yeah. and uh yeah, yeah, really interesting. And then looking at your profile, you your background is on would it say the technical side, the engineering side? I mean, I I studied in, in engineering side on the, on the pure science side, um, but I've always been more on the like at the boundary of the technology side and the business side, right? Which is often where product kind of lies, and yep. that's been my strength, I guess. Uh, the next logical step when you're going into founding a business you're still at that boundary when you're working in tech. Um, but now the product is the company as opposed yep. to the product's company itself. Right? Yeah, that's great. So tell us a little bit about what Unido does. Yeah, so at its core, it's a no-code integration platform, right? So a little bit similar to what 
you might have seen in a tool like a Zapier or Mercado on the more enterprise side. But uh, we allow very deep and seamless integrations between SaaS um, while keeping it really easy for a business user to set up. And, and the way we see it is that the last really big piece of friction in SaaS is integration. It's really easy to, to try SaaS, to adopt it, to roll it out, but it's still really hard to integrate them uh -huh. together deeply, um, at least without technical skills. So our claim to fame, if you want, is bi-directional synchronization among SaaS. Uh -huh. um, and what that means is that you could be a marketing team living in Asana with your Know, your launch campaigns or marketing campaigns and whenever you have to work with the web development team or product team that's organized in jira for example we'll sync the tasks and issues across so that you'll have right into your marketing plan in asana exactly what's happening on the development side and you can actually interact with the developers back and forth and it feels to the developers like everyone's in jira and it feels to the marketers like everyone's in asana but unido is the one doing that bridge behind the scene um and seamlessly or if you're you got your your spreadsheet and you're trying to model a lot of projects and track ah. finances across it you have to go and jump around all the time asking people where they're at or can you actually sync it all into your your spreadsheet and have everything up to date in terms of time spent or, or progress yeah. on the reports yeah interesting so your integrations it does, you don't really focus like hey we just do crm integrations is it any sort of SaaS tool that then say could offer like offers an api where you can then integrate you know two solutions together Pretty much. And okay. we started in the more project management, work management space and developer tools. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's a big transition we did uh, not that long ago, which is to open the platform much more broadly to any kind of data across any kind of SaaS. Okay. Okay. Really interesting. And then when did you found Unido? So Unido started as a basement project uh, in 20, 2015 mm -hmm. um, and started with just an MVP launching it and because it was a problem that we had experienced before and it was really a scratch your own itch. Someone should solve uh -huh. this. Um, um, so 2015 basement Montreal, basically. Uh -huh. uh, interesting. And so was this, did you quit a full-time job and say, Hey, I'm going to start this. Did you say, Hey, I'm going to incubate this in the basement while I'm working full-time and just see if, if anything will catch on. Yeah. I was at a interesting transition out of that signage company, if you want um, doing some consulting work. And it was, I'd always been in the startup world, either as a founding team member or, or early employee, in the in the mindset of like one day I'm going to start my own business. Uh, this is what I this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to be good at. And of course, it always takes longer than you think. Um, so it was like I'd been accumulating this bucket list of problems people should solve, and and it was like, well, this is this is the time to jump off the cliff if you want. Um, and so I tested a few ideas, and this was one of them. Um, so that's how it kind of got into it basically okay so basement project 2015 started uh the mvp and then when did was it that same where year where you went to market to try to sign up some of those initial customers or well, a started later? with a kind of free uh free version just to test the waters we went to market in terms of uh generating uh, charging for the platform in halloween 2016 i think um, okay yeah Okay. All right. So a little time, test it out with some free users, get that product feedback, and then start charging about a year later. So, okay. Yeah. yeah interesting. And where, where are you located? I think you mentioned Montreal, but is that the headquarters? Yeah, we're all based, actually, all the staff is based out of Montreal. Uh, we decided to go a little bit uh, counter current in that sense. And uh, 
really invest in the community. We're very flexible and hybrid in terms of work, but we like to keep the community close or at least mm -hmm. within distance that they can get together um, quickly and, and invest in that aspect of community. It's one of our uh, three core pillars uh, on the value side and the culture side. Yeah, tell me more about when you say community, your staff base and like the Montreal tech community or tell me more about that. Well, when I'm talking about a more staff based, all the mm -hmm. staff, we see the, the the company and every collaborator as really part of the community. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a lot of the startup, you know, attraction is to be able to work very closely on an intense project with people that you get close with. Mm -hmm. And it's the opposite of transactional work in a way, right? Um, and we wanted to invest a lot in that community and the sense of community that people develop inside of a, a company. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, my co-founder and I had worked remote uh, for a while. Eric, my co-founder, had worked for for Microsoft in a distributed uh, fashion for years, and we were like, "Hey, like but that's before COVID, and also like actually like we'd like to go the other way around." And um, and we kind of stuck to it through COVID, and uh, now we're kind of seeing people who are kind of looking for that as well, especially especially since the pendulum swung so far yeah. out, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. So HQ in Montreal. And then tell us what's your team size right now? Um, we're just about to hit 70 people. 70 staff. Okay, great. And then anything you want to share around the scale, size, revenue, ARR of your company? I mean, as much as transparency is like the another core pillar in the company, <laughs> uh, we are keeping the metrics kind of close to our chest right uh -huh. now. Um, but yeah, um, we're basically growing through expanding a lot of our connectors and we are a PLG company, so it's it's mostly okay. inbound based um, and very kind of high volumes of, of of trials every month. Okay, so PLG inbound, and I think on your side, what about say user size or customers? You know, how many users or customers? Um, I think on the website we're at fifty thousand or something. 50, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it said fifty thousand plus users. Yeah. Okay. And then tell us, okay, so targeting users, tell us about your go-to-market motion. You know, you said, so right, PLG inbound. So are these signing up individual users, signing up companies, and then those users? So tell us a little bit about how the pricing and that, that go-to-market motion works. Yeah. So um, we want the users to be able to experience the value of that integration themselves before they need to purchase or before they pull out a credit card or anything like that. So it's all about putting the, the product up front. So you can go in and connect up your applications in a few minutes. You authenticate whatever two apps. And within a few minutes, you've got data syncing kind of bi-directionally. Uh -huh. um, and you can start playing around with it. So uh -huh. that motion is really important to us. What we'll see is we'll see people from very large organizations all the way to small organizations come in, just experience the value. And then either they can self-serve entirely into the product, or we do have kind of a sales assistance and CS uh, team that is able to, to help people navigate it, whether they have more complex procurement process or they want some more guidance. And that's been really important for us. Like We're targeting the ease of use, but we also have people that are really experts in all the tools that we integrate so they can guide the, the users and the customers in the best practices. Because often right. someone comes in, they're, they're working with one team, they know exactly how that team works, what their tool stack is, but they're at the boundary. They, they have to work with these other people that are working differently in different tool sets. And they're looking for the best way to do that. Um, so knowing that there's someone uh, with it that's available within chat or they can talk to their CSM 
and have that backup or that guidance um, to show them what is the best way to do it. How are all the other best practices or best companies in the market doing it? Um, then they feel a lot more confident about rolling this out and 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 convincing other peers to do it and things like that. So it's self-serve. We want people to be empowered. We also want to give them the backing and the confidence that there's someone there to help if if needed. Okay. And, you know, PLG is such a hot term today. Uh, you know, traditional sales led now with PLG, maybe we have both. So what what does PLG mean in the context that you need? Oh, what, what does that mean when you guys talk about PLG? Yeah, I think it's a new term to say something that's existed for a long time. Just like so many <laughs> of those terms, they probably wow. SaaS, same thing. Yeah. Um, so PLG for us is a bit what I was hinting at is letting the customer or the user experience the value of the product before having to go through a, pur a purchasing process, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to more traditional software sales where there is, uh, there's a sales pitch, there's like slides, there's checklist, there's a, like me, are you in the quadrant, the Garner quadrant, then there's mm -hmm. a procurement or security, then there's an onboarding, and then maybe eventually the user experiences value. So if you flip mm -hmm. this around, to me, that's what PLG is all about. Okay. Right? Is how do you allow the user to experience the value upfront and then more concretely in the company, what that means is that we've we've structured the company accordingly. So marketing and product roll up to the same executive and the team because marketing's role is really to bring people to experience the product's value. Um, and then the sales and customer success or the customer facing teams are much more layered on top, if you want. Um, yep. And they're there to help and assist as opposed to be the, the drivers and, and marketing being really, really tied directly to sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing that because I think you know PLG can mean a lot of different things and maybe not standard definitions, but you know, in your context, letting the customers experience the value of the product up front before you know going through that sales process before they can even touch the product. Mm -hmm. And then interesting as far as your org chart, then with PLG, that you said that your, your marketing and product leaders roll up to the, the same uh manager executive. Correct. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So you recently raised a 20 million Series B. How much capital have you raised to date? Um, we've raised um, about 30, 33. 33 million. Okay. And, you know, so with that $20 million Series B raise, you know, what did you see? You know, were there milestones, triggers, intuition that said, hey, we're ready for this next raise and we can really put this capital to good work? Mm. So remember, I was mentioning we started in, in a very specific set of software categories mm -hmm. that we, we were integrating project management, work management, developer tools. Um, and uh, we expanded out into other categories and started getting traction mm -hmm. there and really wanted to double down. So for us, it was, hey, like we've proven it on a, on a smaller market if you want, um, mm -hmm. but here's the opportunity that's suddenly expanding to every software category. Um, how do we double down on this? And that that's really the impetus for for, for the fundraising. Um, and, and that's what brought us there effectively. Okay. And and with that capital, is it is it then more on the engineering team deploying integrations into other you know niches within SaaS? Any anywhere else that you're investing or deploying that capital within your org? Well, it'll be across the board when we think of you know, adding more integrations. It's not just the the engineering side to it. Mm -hmm. It's also um, the content side, the go-to-market side. How do you package it and how do you present it to the user so that when they see it, they, they immediately make sense mm -hmm. of it. It connects to their problems or their use cases. And again, I think that's key for PLG. 
you, you can't assume you're going to have always a demo or a sales rep to be able to to connect with the customer uh, and then pitch them, right? It has to be, yeah. um, you have to be there exactly when people are, are looking for something or, or sometimes not even aware there's a solution. And that's a really interesting nuance or thing that you mentioned, I think. So with a PLG motion, right? All right, you know, more integrations expanding into saying we went from, you know, work, you know, management into other stuff, you know, say CRMs or whatever, you know, but with that expansion of product, right? a tie that it creates now more of a content need, more of a marketing need, more of an educational yeah. need that you need with the PLG motion. Did I kind of summarize that correctly or that, that insight? Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we have a very unique approach to integration and a very differentiated architecture on the, with the bi-directional sync and allows us to do a lot of things that are very different, but it is a noisy space in the integration space. Uh, but if you were to think about a more traditional business going into other geographies, right? Mm. You're not thinking about, it's not just, there might be product with like internationalization or, or translation, but it's mostly go to market when you're thinking about it that way. Mm -hmm. um, when we think about new integrations and new categories, those are our new geographies, if you want. They open mm -hmm. up new markets for us. So there is a, there's an important go to market component to it as well. There's a whole partnership ecosystem there as well. There's uh -huh. potentially a different audience. So when we are thinking about that expansion, we're, we are very systematic about it. And it's uh -huh. not just a product. It's, it's really, there's a product, there's an engineering, and then there's a go-to-market component all tied together. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just, hey, you know, engineers, dev team, let's just go crazy, build more product. But it's like the, the rest of the org has to follow along with, with that, that uh, you know, use of capital. So yeah, interesting. So raising $33 million to date. Any, you know, for the founders, executives who are going through a fundraiser, thinking about it, any tips and tricks that you've learned along the way, along the way with raising capital? Yeah, I mean, there's part of it that you're like, it's it's done and you're like, you want to forget all about it, but uh, but that's really not how it works. Um, I mean, from an early stage perspective, if you're a first time founder and you don't necessarily have a network of investors or proven track record, because we hear a lot about sometimes invest founders that just, you know, they make a phone call and they've raised, or it sounds or it feels like that. And obviously that's not how it really works in, in reality. But I think when, when you're starting, you just got to get out there. You got to like provoke serendipity, you know, to happen. And it just won't happen if you're staying at home. So getting out there, going out to the places where you're, there's going to be a, there's an ecosystem, there's going to be people and, um, and just, putting yourself out there, that's what triggers a lot of the first network building um, and the first connections and the referrals to some investors. Um, you got to get it started. It just doesn't happen on its own. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then the other one is just not giving up. And I think um, there's so many reasons for getting a no from an investor. Um, and most of them have nothing to do with your business. Uh, like it could be partner got up on the wrong foot that morning. Uh, I'm exaggerating, but there's so many forces at play. Um, and so you just have to keep at it and don't mm -hmm. try to interpret the reason they gave you for the no. But I think uh, one realization was, you know, always asking like, okay, tell me more. How can I learn out of this? But the reality is most of them, if, you know, 90% of the reasons you get are, are can reasons with the whole uh -huh. sole purpose of like getting this over with as soon as possible. So don't let yourself be pulled down by that no, or try to interpret that reason too uh, literally because it's it's not really that specific to your business. 
I love that because you think, right, founders, like we want product feedback, you yeah. know, and go to market feedback, you know, do we have product market fit? And then probably the same thing investing, but why do they say, no, I need feedback, but you're right. It's like, sometimes maybe it just didn't fit their model, no good reason. And we try to, you know, yeah, like I said, over-interpret or try to interpret, you know, what, what they said behind no, and there may not be any depth behind it. You kind of see it once you've had a few and you're like, hmm, I've heard this one before. And then the- <laughs> Or like if you write them down, you kind of see the patterns. And uh-huh. uh, I even heard it from some of our of our investors. Like, no, like, like we like at that point once we decide to pass, we're trying to move on as quickly as possible without closing the possibility uh-huh. of in the future having an opportunity there. And yeah. so there's, it's like they they have a few recipes that that work for them, um, and that that's all there is to it. And that yeah. that's okay, you know. You just don't try to fight it. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that insight. So as we wrap up here, what's next and exciting for UNITO? Uh, I mean, I was hinting at it earlier for us. It's really expanding on the, on the product side um, and be able to say kind of anything um, we, whether it's you know, contacts, uh, whether it's in your CRMs, whether it's Slack messages with your support team, support tickets or just getting a bunch of data live into your master spreadsheets, you know, uh-huh. um, without having to export CSV, import CSV all the time, which I'm sure a lot of people end up doing. Um, and then on the company side, I mean, we, we're, we're growing as a business. We're, we're growing uh, conservatively in this environment in particular, yeah. but I'm happy to be able to invest a lot in the diversity of the company. Um, our investors uh, that led the round have... Uh, their fund is is diversity focused and uh-huh. they have specific targets in terms of diversity in the leadership, shareholders, and even board. And okay. um, we already hit both of those requirements. So, um, you know, we have you know, half the executive team is women. We have uh-huh. uh, transparent salaries. So happy to continue really investing in that culture and building a great company. Okay. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, so really appreciate your time today, Mark, and sharing your story and, and about uh, Unido. So what, uh, if, if the listeners want to learn more about your company, where should we send them online? Uh, Unito.io. Um, and uh, obviously you can find us a lot in the integration directories of your tools, whether it's in the you know, mm-hmm. Google Workspace uh, Marketplace or Trello integration directory or HubSpot integration directories of your favorite tools. And uh, Glassdoor, you know, have a look at a five-star rating if you're interested in joining a cool company. That sounds great. And and that's unito.io? Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. So, all right. Check them out at unito.io. And Mark, really appreciate your time today and sharing your story. Thank you.